the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It reminds us of all that once was good. And the only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out is the Church of Baseball. White Sox Weekly, presented by Miller Lite. The official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. The latest news and views from players, coaches, and direct from the front office. White Sox Weekly, on the proud new home for Chicago White Sox baseball. WLS EM890. So welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we've got you for an hour this Saturday afternoon. We are officially into November. This is the very first White Sox Weekly of the, well, I guess the official offseason. The World Series has come and gone. You have a winner, the breaking of an historic curse. Congratulations to the Chicago Cubs. All right, let's move on. The offseason is what it is uh, for for a lot of different teams. But this year, you know, I I think there's a lot in store for White Sox fans, for the White Sox franchise, and, and for baseball as a whole, too, we're going to go through a couple of different things on the show here uh, this afternoon. And you can get involved this afternoon. Kind of a, uh, a special show for you and for me. Uh, it's just you and I for the uh, for the next hour or so. And you can get involved with the show, as always, through the same two methods. You can uh, hit us up on the phone lines. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly, as it is always. Uh, or you can do the whole Twitter thing at C1 McKnight is the Twitter handle at C1McKnight uh, on Twitter, and you can get at us this way, or that way, I should say. Uh, and, and a couple of things that I want to set you up with before we get into the the meat of the show for the afternoon, a couple of things that we're going to get to and a couple of big topics uh, for White Sox fans and for the franchise as a whole. And I want to look back at the World Series. I'm not going to you know, leave it there. I mean, it is the World Series. It culminates, and we pontificate on it. You, you think about you know, whatever two teams are involved in it, some, I guess, lessons are always kind of dragged from it, dredged from it. And we, we try and figure out exactly where uh, a certain franchise sits in relation to the one that won it or the two that were there or the few that made the postseason, depending on where uh, your team kind of finished up for the end of the year. So we'll we'll do that. We'll do those. those we'll try and take those customary lessons from the fall classic and extrapolate from there. Uh, we'll move on to uh, some of the news that the White Sox have gotten into. But first and foremost, I want to tell you that SoxFest 2017 returns on January 27th, and it goes through January 29th. It's bringing ballpark fun to the Hilton Chicago. You'll score an autograph or a photo with current players, coaches, and White Sox greats. Your favorite areas are back with an interactive space to play games and win prizes and shop for team gear. There'll be a weekend of White Sox baseball that you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available right now, so visit whitesox.com slash SoxFest for tickets and for more information. So get yourself out to SoxFest. It's really it's it's going to come up faster than you think, although there's plenty of, uh, of, of dates of importance coming up throughout the offseason that, uh, that we'll get to talk about here with you on the show. A few things that I want to get out of the way here before we, like I said, get into the World Series thing. And here's what's coming up on the show this afternoon. It's you and me, and you've got the phone number, 312-591-8900. The White Sox have made five moves, and there were three tweets, not from the White Sox themselves, but from a White Sox player just this afternoon, that, um, or I should say yesterday afternoon, that, that made some, or at least generated a little bit of talk and had caught my attention. So we'll get to those. Five moves and three tweets a little later on in the show. 
there are dates of importance throughout the offseason, and we'll walk through some of those with you. You can, uh, if you want to get the calendars out, not while you're driving, mind you, don't do the phone thing while you're driving. It's very dangerous. Uh, but if you're just sitting there at home, more listen to us on the podcast. And by the way, you can find every White Sox Weekly on the podcast, uh, WLSAM.com slash White Sox is where you can find all that stuff, our interviews and the full shows and just all the fun stuff that we're doing uh, covering the White Sox during the offseason. You can head to the website and get yourself covered there. Um, but you can mark some of these dates that we're going to go through and, and how these off-season dates kind of play into the White Sox future and uh, and what you're going to be looking forward to or what you will be looking forward to. A little bit of news on the free agent market as well this afternoon that uh, not wholly unexpected, in fact, pretty expected, uh, but something that could shake the, um, I guess, the tiers of free agency during this offseason, though, uh, though the guy who declared as a free agent was uh, more than likely going to I guess could end up going back to where he played the 2015 season. I, I think you probably know where I'm going, but this is radio and we have to set up a tease or two along the way. Not a David Ortiz, an actual tease. And by the way, we are four days into the, the ballpark, the reverential ballpark at 35th and Shields as guaranteed rate field. It happened on November 1st, so uh, welcome into the new sponsors, the ballpark, guaranteed rate. Nice to have you. Hopefully we got some uh, some great baseball coming up in the summer of 2017 um, very soon here. 2016, 2017, 18, 19, as long as the, uh, I think the naming rights go for about 20-some years. So hopefully it's just uh, a whole wash of great baseball. The World Series as it was, and, and like I said, and the, and the White Sox tweeted it out, and uh, and I thought it was, a, it was a good job to do it. Congratulations to, uh, to the Cubs and Cubs fans. I think as a White Sox fan, you know people – you have friends, you have family who are Cub fans. And however you deal with those friends or family, and however uh, contentious or however congratulatory you want to be at the Thanksgiving dinner coming up here in a few weeks to your Cub relatives, that's completely up to you. Uh, but to them, congratulations on a job well done. And I, I think we'd say that to just about any franchise that won, um, even one that, uh, that busted a curse like they did, a, a long 108 years without a World Series championship. And now that said, every year after the World Series, there are columns written, there are thoughts made, and there are hot takes thrown around uh, about that World Series winner or even the teams that got there that kind of spur a little bit of conversation. And I don't think, you know, we're not immune to it here on the show, and I, I think it's probably worth looking at it. And I, maybe this season, the lesson learned is something that we've known for quite some time, something that... Maybe Branch Rickey knew back in the uh, back in the 1930s and in the 1940s as he kind of invented or implemented the very first farm system as as we would recognize it now in, in the big leagues. So I want to go back through the last couple of World Series champions. This year, obviously, the Chicago Cubs. Uh, maybe a lesson we learned from that. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, 2015, it was the Royals, right? Everybody was was talking about that Kansas City Royals team who had made it to back to back World Series and. Trying to take this whole boy, look at look at the way that lineup. Now the bullpen was one thing, but look at the way that lineup attacks pitchers. Their first pitch swinging. Alcides Escobar got one thrown up at the noodle by Noah Syndergaard because everybody knew Alcides Escobar was going to be swinging at the first pitch. That whole lineup, full of not necessarily free swingers, but guys who attacked baseballs in the zone. All right, 2014, you had the Giants. So either the lesson you learned there was uh, even your magic is is real cool or 
just have Madison Bumgarner was the lesson you learned from the 2014 San Francisco Giants. In 2013, everybody was talking about the Red Sox and how they somehow managed to sign a handful of free agents, guys like Shane Victorino and Johnny Gomes and Stephen Drew and Mike Napoli, who all of them had career years or very close to them. Probably not the case for Shane Victorino. He had some really good years with the Phillies. But my goodness, you had all four of those guys and a couple more have brought in from outside the organization. The Red Sox went from worst to first, won the World Series um, with, with in a way that seemed pretty unconventional. And instead of spending on one or two massive free agents as the White Sox had, uh, as the Red Sox rather had in the past, or as they did this year in signing David Price, you had just kind of a, a handful. Just you had a handful of of middle tier free agents. All of them got signed, and all of them had incredible years. 2012, you had the Giants again, and I think the lesson there is have Madison Bumgarner. I'm joking with some of the lessons that we've learned from some of these World Series champions. But I think throughout all the champions I named and the runners-up, the 2016 Indians not with, uh, included in this list, the lesson you see over and over again is be young and be deep. And that young talent needs to be players that you've essentially and, – and I look at this a little bit differently than, than some, I don't know, like uh, prospect evaluators go, like a, like a baseball prospectus or like a uh, Baseball America might you know, rank the team's top prospects or when you look at you know, how the team was created, lists, all that kind of stuff. I think back to that 2011 Cardinals team that had David Freeze absolutely go nuts. Now, he wasn't a Cardinals draft pick. He was actually picked up and drafted by the Padres, if memory serves. Uh, But the Cardinals acquired him in a minor league trade or picked him up while he was in the minors. And I tend to think of those as, well, they're not drafts. They're not draft picks by an individual franchise. A guy like Charlie Tilson uh, that the White Sox picked up and unfortunately was only able to play in in a handful of innings this season, that's a guy who was picked up in the minors. Talent was... Uh, identified, it was evaluated, it was brought over. Um, and, and I think, you know, you put those into a different category, those pickups, or at least I do. I put those pickups into a different kind of category than, you know, obviously free agent signings or trades of, of major leaguers uh, like Avisel Garcia coming over, even though he was in the major leagues when he was acquired and played a little minor league ball for the White Sox. You know, I, I think each of these kind of have different categories, different tiers of, of acquisition. But I think by and large, for all these champions, maybe with the exception of the 2013 Red Sox, although you can point to a number of different guys, Dustin Pedroia, uh, David Ortiz to a certain degree, guys who were identified, well, not Ortiz, uh, identified fairly young, brought into a system, grown by that system, developed by that system, and deployed typically in years where they didn't cost a whole heck of a lot. And what that allows a team to do, and and again, I'm not saying anything that's completely groundbreaking. I'm not, you know, identifying issues here uh, that a baseball franchise is going to go, oh, my God, this isn't Moneyball all over again. This isn't some sort of new um, fangled magic or math or uh, divination that's going to change. But But it is a pretty simple approach, and it's harder than it sounds. It's about making and identifying good prospects. It's about finding the weaknesses in your own system and addressing them through the minor league systems of others. And it's about being able to, you know, through doing those, through through doing working those processes uh, to the best of your franchise's ability, to the best of hopefully the White Sox ability, 
then going out into free agency and, you know, taping over a couple of the issues that you just, you know, didn't develop yourself. Jason Hayward was picked up by the Cubs. Uh, the Giants uh, made a couple of moves. Um, Cody Ross, actually one of the guys in the outfield. It just Brandon Geyer picked up by the Indians. And and while you know not those moves aren't massive superstar moves, the Hayward one notwithstanding, massive superstar moves. They they taped over and and kind of bandaided up a few weak spots in their own player development issue. I mean, you look at Francisco Lindor, and and White Sox fans know that Indians team has been. By and large, homegrown has been, you know, with the exception of Andrew Miller, has been developed from within or picked up real early in some of those minor league careers. Francisco Lindor, a, a top, I think he was top 10, nine overall uh, draft pick just a handful of years ago. I believe that's the 2011 draft. That's some serious development. Kipnis, identified by them too. Michael Brantley was a player to be in later, the last guy involved in that CC Sabathia trade. So, and while Brantley didn't um, provide value to the Indians this last year due to injury, I think you'd probably take a look at Brantley and say, well, if he comes back healthy, then the Indians team could be even better than they were this past season. And heck, you could probably say that about a few injuries. I mean, not only do you have to be deep and young positionally, but that includes the pitching too. You know, I mean, you take a look at the way the Indians, and certainly Andrew Miller, at least in the playoffs, helps them get by with an incredibly thin starting pitching staff with the way that Terry Francona was able to use and deploy Andrew Miller and, you know, in, in multiple innings, over multiple innings and in multiple games, kind of work that whole thing. They were able to, the Indians, able to call up guys or, or reinsert guys like Josh Tomlin into that starting rotation, back and forth, a couple of them, and, and it went down the line with a couple uh, the five, six, seven, eight starters. And that's not something that the White Sox were unfortunately able to do this last season. Eric Johnson was was there. James Shields acquired. Um, you had guys like uh, Jacob Turner come up and make a couple of starts. Carson Fulmer was there and obviously pitched out of relief. But, you know, there is some depth in there. But but as Rickon kind of talked about, they didn't have like the next the six, seven, eight kind of guys ready to step up and take turns in that rotation and fill out what will almost always happen to a team, and that's suffer injuries in a starting rotation. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. Uh, just wanted to recap or, or look back a little bit at the World Series and how maybe we can learn a couple of lessons from it, but definitely you know, being that these are those were two teams with which White Sox fans are pretty familiar in, in being a, a city rival and a division rival either way, because it's so familiar to Sox fans, I think the lessons maybe, um, or or at least what you saw, seemed more familiar than perhaps in World Series in the last uh, handful of years. Though the AL Central has been well represented in the Fall Classic the last five, uh, I think four out of the last five seasons. 312-591-8900, the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. The question for you out on Twitter, at C1McKnight, is the uh, the Twitter handle and how you can respond to and uh, get your thoughts heard, heard here on the show. Because uh, I know it's a Saturday afternoon, and you might be driving around. Maybe there's a farmer's market or a college football game or whatever. But we love, you know, having your input here on the show. And the question that I threw out there, and yes, it comes with a qualifier, but you'll have to forgive me because I feel like, you know, the one thing, the question is, what one thing would you do you wish you knew now about what's coming for the White Sox over the next three months, except for the decisions 
that may or may not be made on Chris Sale and Jose Quintana. Now, I know those are the two biggest things out there, and they're on the tip of, of, of everybody's mind, if you have a tip of your mind. I don't know if many people do. But if you've got that kind of question out there, let us know at C1 McKnight, or you can give us a call, 312-591-8900. And I'm just taking those two guys off the board because, of course, those are the uh, the biggest issues um, in front of everybody. So I'm kind of looking to, to mine a little deeper here. Uh, we will come back and discuss those questions and a couple of more, uh, a couple moves that the White Sox have made over the last uh, four or five days. Five moves and three tweets of interest to the White Sox fan coming up here in just a few minutes. You've got White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS AM 890. There it is. Proof for you. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. I, uh, 11 years ago, well, 11 years and just about a week and a week and a couple of days, a week and a day ago, I think. Uh, the White Sox won their first World Series championship in this century, uh, breaking their own drought, 2005. And I know uh, some parallels have led a couple of people to, to think about that. And some omissions, national media outlets have caused White Sox fans to bring that up a couple of times. I don't know how you forget about it. No idea. Some people had. And I just thought I figured it was probably worth a reminder here or there. 312 591 8900 is the fun, not a reminder to White Sox fans, mind you, but a reminder to, you know, others, uh, national media outlets, let's say. Uh, anyway, 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You can hit us on Twitter, at C1 McKnight. The question is to you on Twitter, other than uh, the fates of Chris Sale and Jose Quintana, what one thing do you wish you knew now about what's coming for the White Sox in the next three months? I know there's a qualifier on it, but we got to... Uh, you know, we do the sale in Quintana thing all afternoon long, and I, I don't want to do the same show for three months. Well, we won't have to. I will figure it out sooner or later. There are dates of significance coming up, five moves and three tweets uh, of importance and general interest to White Sox fans that I want to get to. Uh, but first, what I have to tell you, or want to tell you rather, that if you want to stay up to date on all things White Sox this offseason, be sure to follow the team on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Snapchat for all things White Sox related, like SoxFest, on-sale dates, and more. Oh, and just one other real quick personal thing here. In in finding, I just I you know went to YouTube, grabbed the highlight, uh, thanks to Fox Sports for all their work covering the World Series in 2005. Uh, I, I always forget that while I was watching that game, I I didn't think, as, as he picked up the ball to throw it over to first, over to Kierke, I... I was worried he wasn't going to get him. It was such a close play. I, I forget my, how I felt watching that. every, And then I go back and watch it, and I feel that all over again. I get all, oh, man, such a tight play. Anyway, heading out to the phone lines here on White Sox Weekly, it is uh, Bruce calling in to the show. Hi, Bruce. Afternoon. Hi, great show. Love your show. Thanks, Bruce. I just want to make a statement. The guy they brought over from Boston has been a baseball fanatic since he's like nine years old. Maybe. Hey, Bruce, yeah. real quick, I, I don't know which guy which guy you're talking about and which they uh, you're, you're talking about. Oh, you're talking about Theo. Okay, sure, over to the yeah, Cubs, sure. So it all boils down to what this this uh, formula, the ability to recognize talent young, grab it, evaluate it, develop it, and mm-hmm. retain it. Yeah. And the White Sox don't have that. And Jerry Reinsdorf is very, very, very loyal He's, he hasn't got guys that can evaluate and recognize talent. They're going nowhere until they get rid of who, the guys they have now who are businessmen and know nothing about baseball <laughs> but Theo Epstein. They're not maniacs about baseball. They can't well, recognize talent young. And they don't do 
Bruce, Bruce, uh, I think we lost you there at the end, I, and I'm not sure how. Uh, Bruce, listen, some of that is understandable, right? You do have to find and evaluate young talents. what we were talking about during the first segment of the show. Yeah, and it's tough to do. To say that, that these guys aren't baseball guys, is that's just not true. And changes have been made over the last two seasons or so. Most notably, the White Sox just changed their director of player development. Chris Getz has stepped into that role. Incidentally, we had an interview with Chris Getz. It's up on the website, wlsam.com slash White Sox. But that's just a pimp job for an earlier show. It was a good interview. And Chris talked a lot about what it takes and how he's learned to identify and develop young talent. And I think that sounds a little more cliche than I wanted. I'm up against the 1230 news. So maybe we can... Hmm. Justin, I gotta we gotta hit the twelve thirty news here in just a minute, don't we? All right, I want to get into this, so let's bring it back on the other side of the news here. We'll we'll talk about what it takes and what it is to identify and develop young talent because we talked about it some with Chris Getz last week and talked about it a lot with another move that the White Sox made in their uh, baseball uh, front office. I guess Nick Hostetler comes in and had his first draft as the director of uh, of amateur scouting for the White Sox, and by many accounts. The White Sox had a dandy of a draft in 2016. That's where we'll pick things up on the other side of the news. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. So welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. It is our first White Sox Weekly of the offseason. Well, officially the offseason. We had baseball up until just a couple of days ago. and Now that's wrapped. The uh, the timelines have started to roll through. Uh, two things, three things, a couple of things. All right, I, I haven't made the list out in front of me. A couple of things I want to get to before we uh, wrap up the show here at 1 o'clock. And you're welcome to get involved, 312-591-8900. Or you can uh, shoot us a tweet, at C1McKnight. We threw a question out to you on Twitter via that uh, that Twitter handle, at C1McKnight. It was, uh, what one thing, other than the fates of, of Chris Sale and Jose Quintana, do you want to know now about what the White Sox will be doing over the next three months. That's uh, pretty much the the entire offseason. Uh, a couple of answers trickling in here. Um, one from uh, Dave Marzalik on Twitter. Uh, what can we expect payroll-wise if the Sox decide to go for it? Again, I think that's a, that's a great question. I would love to know exactly you know where the number rolls out. But I think important to remember, too, that this season in free agency, there are really... It, it, there's not the depth of free agent, the depth of talent that there might have been this last offseason. Now, that comes with a bit of caveat. We'll get to that in just a second. But there there aren't just aren't as many players. Last season in free agency, almost, almost a, a historic crop of talent, uh, right up there with what looks like it's going to be a real big one when Bryce Harper hits free agency in a couple of years. Um, but there were a bunch of big-name players that deserved big-time money. A lot of the players didn't exactly pan out. Jason Hayward had a, had a rough season for the Chicago Cubs, offensively, defensively, uh, pretty good. Justin Upton started his career with the Tigers in a real rough manner. Now, granted, he sorted things out in the last two months or so and uh, and helped the Tigers make a push to, to get close to that AL wildcard spot. Didn't make it. Yoannis Cespedes is one of the guys who uh, who signed in free agency off, last this offseason. Had a great year for the Mets. Um, he's opted out of his deal. Remember, weird deal, uh, and, and something like what well, kind of set the precedent for a lot of those contracts this past offseason, at least for positional players, position players. 
Cespedes signed the three-year deal for a, what was, I believe, a boatload of money, uh, 27 and the hook for this uh, this past season. And he's opted out after one year. Uh, Jason Hayward has an opt-out after a handful of years, and uh, Justin Upton has an opt-out after, I think it's four years with the Tigers. I could be wrong. Anyway, Cespedes is going to become a free agent. He's uh, just decided that this afternoon, and a lot of White Sox fans, uh, a lot of a lot of writers, a lot of people, were wondering whether Ioannis Cespedes was going to be a guy that the White Sox would push for and try and sign in this past offseason. He seems to fit um, a need for the White Sox, a, a, an outfield bat with an incredible amount of power, and he has been uh, he's been very good in New York the past two seasons. And a big reason that the, the Mets made their turnaround, made the World Series two postseasons ago and, and made a, a push to get into the playoffs this last season. Uh, whether Cespedes is, is going to sign back with the Mets, as some people kind of would give the, the intri- inside track to what's going to happen with Cespedes too, you know, him re-signing with the Mets even after opting out and maybe the Mets have a, another boatload or two or three for Ioannis Cespedes this, this offseason. But there's kind of this little wrinkle in another team going after Cespedes this year. Although he's opted out of his deal and is a free agent, the Mets still have the ability to offer him, uh, to give the qualifying offer to Cespedes, which this year is going to be, I think, $17.2 million. The average of the top 125 contracts in baseball, uh, the amount of the qualifying offer. And that, of course, attaches a draft pick to whatever team would sign him if it's not the Mets. Should the White Sox go out and get him? Just let's play the hypothetical out. They know the Mets a draft pick if you go out and get them. So just for keeping tabs on where this offseason is headed, and certainly it's going, uh, getting started in a very uh, in a very big way. It's on the ramp and headed onto the highway here. There are uh, there are some things percolating in this offseason already. And we'll get to the timeline of, of when you can expect things to happen, but there are uh, five moves the White Sox have already made and three tweets that caught my interest but want to tell you that the Bulls Sox Youth Academy, the official youth training facility of the Chicago Bulls and Chicago White Sox, runs year-round basketball, baseball, and fast-pitch softball sports programming for boys and girls ages 5 to 18. The academy offers private lessons, camps, travel teams, birthday parties, field trips, and much, much more. Call 630-PLAY-BALL. That's 630-PLAY-BALL. Or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com. That's Bulls, plural, BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. So five moves made by the White Sox over the last handful of days. The uh, the timelines have begun, and while Major League Baseball's collective bargaining agreement runs out on December 1st, we're still playing under uh, some of the house rules right now. In case you missed it, Matt Albert's contract was bought out for the 2017 season. He had a $3 million club option. Uh, the team had a $250,000 buyout for Matt Albers, who started the season incredibly well for the White Sox, as most of that bullpen did. Things certainly went off the rail for Matt in the last uh, three months, four months of the season. Uh, unfortunate for him, and and hopefully he's able to catch on and get things back together. He is an incredibly likable dude, and and I hope that he's able to, uh, to get back into a big league bullpen this coming season. Uh, but the White Sox have bought him out. Third baseman Matt Davidson and uh, Jake Patrishka, bullpen armed, were reinstated from the 60-day disabled list. Remember Matt Davidson in his very first at-bat as a White Sox uh, singled, an RBI single, in fact, and in rounding first, fractured his foot. Just one of those freak, weird things that happens in baseball. So he was out the rest of the season after that one plate appearances, 
one plate appearance. You figure Davidson to have a pretty good crack at the major league roster this coming season, at least the way things stand now. Certainly, uh, this offseason could be one of of quite a bit of change for the White Sox, um, and that could be in either direction. I mean, there could be a lot of additions made to this team in order to make a push for a postseason behind the young and quality core that they do have. And, of course, Rick Hahn has said a number of times that everything is on the table, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Patricia, a, a quality arm in the back end of that bullpen, obviously had the uh, the hip issue going on and was out for most of the season. He's been reinstated. J.B. Shuck and Daniel Webb were outrighted and released, respectively, so they're off the 40-man roster and effectively free agents, uh, although varying degrees of, of that whole... Well, there's, there's different tiers, I guess. Uh, so Shuck and Daniel Webb effectively off the White Sox at this point. So those were the five moves made by the White Sox in just the last handful of days. And I want to run down kind of the timeline of things that are going on for the White Sox. But there were two other issues... Two other, um, I guess, injury updates of note for the White Sox over the last couple of days. David Robertson, the closer for the White Sox, had, uh, had, had a repair surgery on his uh, on his meniscus. Got things cleaned up in the knee. A successful surgery there. Things seemed to uh, to work out just fine. But for Robertson, this past season wasn't a typical one. And though the save numbers were quite high, and and he had a, a good handful of them. It wasn't the uh, the lockdown kind of stuff that you're used to seeing from David Robertson. The walks, specifically, almost tripled, uh, about four and a half walks per nine innings. And you'll remember that he had a, um, a kind of a strain up in the um, you know the upper back of the leg kind of thing, the the buttock. That's that's where it was. Uh, right around the All Star break, or right before the All Star break, I think he'd given up a couple of uh, a couple of saves, a couple of blown saves there, and righted the ship toward the end of the season, though it wasn't, you know, lockdown kind of stuff. There were back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back home runs given up against the Tigers in, a, in kind of a weird series where you had, remember the rain delay and then you played the ninth inning at what was then U.S. Cellular Field, now guaranteed rate field uh, for this coming season. But saves were had. Saves were made. There were a lot of runners on base when those saves were made. So hopefully for Robertson, it's uh, it's a cleanup that fixed some issues and and kind of uh, allows him to get back into the groove that he'd been in the last two, the last three seasons, that last year in New York, and uh, and then the first with the White Sox, too. Really quality stuff and some good work out of that closer. You certainly would like to have that in the back end of the bullpen uh, if you're Ricky Renneria coming up in the first year with the White Sox. You know, that said, you know, a, a cleanup for, for a major league pitcher, for and, and we talk about this a long, uh, all the time, I think Jake Peavy kind of comes to mind when we talk about it the most, one injury, typically an injury in the lower half, uh, whether it's an ankle for Peavy, a knee for Robertson, a hip thing or whatever, you start to compensate in that delivery, and that can be relatively dangerous because when you start to um, lean on other parts of the body to really I mean, basically hold up your delivery, it starts putting strain on other places, and you might not notice it until something perhaps like this pops up. You get a couple of scopes, you get an MRI, Find out you need to clean something up. I, I'm, I'm speculating, and that's yeah, I, I, I understand just a little bit dangerous, but that can be something that happens uh, for pitchers, and hopefully for Robertson, it's a quick cleanup and back to work and back to being uh, the David Robertson that we saw in 2014, 2013, too, uh, for the White Sox coming up this next season. Also, and and this was fairly interesting. Uh, Brent Laurie, who had a 
kind of curious, I shouldn't say kind of, a, a very curious leg injury that the White Sox had trouble kind of, in, in their words, kind of trouble pinning down as to exactly what it was. Lori tweeted uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday morning about uh, about what he thinks was going on or, or so a, a cause of what was first a, a leg and then a knee and then kind of a hip and then a, a, a hamstring and also a, a back issue, kind of a, a migratory injury for Brett Laurie that kept him out for the last two-ish months of the season. Uh, Laurie tweeted that he was put into orthotics this year for the first time in baseball. I'll, I'll read the tweets verbatim. Orthotics are uh, shoe inserts. They're, they're inserts. Um, whether that's for, I, I don't know what kind of problem uh, Laurie was using them to to fix, whether he had flat feet. I had flat feet when I was, or at least I used orthotics to try and treat flat feet when I was uh, in, in high school. It seemed to work. It was nice. I'm not a major league ball player, though, and could not hit a breaking ball for the life of me. And I, I imagine going into them for the first time in um, in your career might lead to uh, something you didn't expect. So here are the three tweets from Brett. Uh, it reads, and this is, you know, it's Twitter language, so there are a couple of, uh, of abbreviated words in this just to fit the 140 characters. But here it goes. Uh, was put into orthotics this year, first time in 26 years for the season. No one told me what it can do to my body. They always just talk about your feet. My feet never hurt, so I thought I was moving forward, total opposite direction. This has been the reason for what's happened. Uh, and then another uh, tweet came back to him about uh, whether he thought that that's what was affecting his leg injury. And he said, yeah, they they they, they were the cause. So hopefully that kind of gets cleaned up as well. And things like that, you know, can go, can just kind of go off the rails quickly, I guess, for a player. So hopefully Brett's uh, either found a, a, a better orthotic, a new one, or or fixed the issue and gotten back to uh, to being the Brett Laurie we saw over the first two months of the season, the guy that was walking at, a, at triple his career rate, a guy that was slugging homers and playing a pretty good second base, a real good second base for the White Sox in the uh, the first two, two and a half months of the year. 312-591-8900 is the phone number, the off-season schedule, uh, or at least a list of dates that you want to keep in mind is, uh, is well, it's always out there. So we'll go through it and kind of let you know what you can expect from your White Sox or, or really from Major League Baseball as a whole uh, and how it pertains to the White Sox. Coming up next, you've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. The most popular way to follow White Sox baseball is with MLB.com at bat. It is the number one app for live baseball. You get to enjoy live look-ins and highlights, game day scores, stat cast, live radio broadcasts, and more. Get MLB.com at bat on your favorite devices right now. You're listening to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890, although Big Boy Sky just told you that. I'm Connor McKnight, uh, and we have a couple of minutes here with you on the show this afternoon. I uh, want to run down the uh, off-season dates of importance so that you can kind of keep them in your head or, or file them away in the calendar, and, and then that way you know what, kind of what we'll be talking about on White Sox Weeklies for the next couple of weeks. I'm actually going to be – we got a special show coming up this next Saturday. I am uh, – I'm taking a trip to the Arizona Fall League, and I want to see a couple of, of White Sox players down there. I want to see a couple of the prospects, see a couple of the people in the organization as well. So um, we're hoping to bring you a, uh, a show chock full of, of interviews, of conversations with uh, with guys that are in that Arizona Fall League, part of the White Sox organization, and uh, I mean both players and um, and coaches. Uh, Aaron Rowan's down there as a, as a coach in the White Sox or for the White Sox uh, amalgamation of 
of, uh, of Arizona Fall League teams. You know how it works. A bunch of different teams send seven or eight or nine players uh, into you know, one team so that it kind of, uh, kind of comes together as, as, a, as an, a mishmash of, of prospects from a number of different teams all playing together in this Arizona Fall League. The White Sox have guys like Trey Miachewski. Um, let's see, it's Courtney Hawkins and Zach Collins on the positional side of things. Uh, a couple of pitchers down there as well. So we'll have conversations with those guys and bring them to you on the show next week so you can look forward to that. And as always, in case you've got something going on during Saturday afternoons and this winter, you can check out the podcasts and all the interviews, whitesocks.com. I'm sorry, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. I was giving you the website backward there, and that's not a help to anybody. Uh, Also, Sox fans, don't let aches and pains keep you from doing the things you love to do. Schedule an appointment at any of our 340 facilities by visiting Athletico.com slash appointments. Athletico, the official physical therapy provider of the Chicago White Sox. Athletico, better for every body. So some dates of importance here have passed, and some are upcoming and pretty important. I don't know if you knew this, but as of 9 a.m., 8 a.m. local, uh, two days ago, November 3rd, all eligible players became free agents. So, and and things can change, and obviously you've got a, a chance to, to contact your own free agents and talk with them and work out contracts, but Alex Avila and Justin Morneau, really the only two guys on that White Sox roster who were pending free agents are indeed now free agents. That doesn't mean the White Sox can't work anything out with Avila or Justin Morneau. Both of those guys, to different degrees, uh, might fit spots on the roster, but both are now uh, free agents. Uh, Today, most contract decisions are up. That's why you had the news, and we talked about it earlier, of Ioannis Cespedes opting out of his deal. Uh, The White Sox already know, uh, and Sox fans already know, we talked about it last week a little bit, uh, that James Shields picked up his options for the next two seasons uh, so the White Sox, uh, reportedly, and, and through their deal with the Padres, are, uh, are in on James Shields for 10 this year and $10 million next year. Uh, there are other uh, options, I'm sure, and news that will come out throughout the course of the afternoon. I have not seen any big uh, option news since we started the show, although I've been doing the show and not you know just watching Twitter. November 7th is the deadline to make the qualifying offer. That plays into Ioannis Cespedes yet again. That qualifying offer is set at $17.2 million. Uh, they did opt, uh, Cespedes did opt out. Um, so he is a free agent, but the Mets still have the abil- uh, ability to give him the qualifying offer. Right now and through the weekend, uh, organizations are having organizational meetings down in Phoenix. We actually uh, had a conversation all set up and ready to go. We're going to have Nick Capra, the White Sox third base coach, call the show. But he's, he's busy in meetings trying to figure out, you know, talking about where that organization is, is going and, and getting his assignments for the winter. We gave a pass to Nick. That's fine. It's much more important than coming on the show. Uh, the general manager's meetings in Scottsdale coming up uh, November 7th through the 10th, and the start of free agency is November 8th. So uh, not that there's anything else going on on November 8th, but you're going to want to watch Twitter uh, for a lot of the news, and we'll keep you posted here on WLS AM 890 and, of course, on the Twitter handle at C1McKnight. And the White Sox have a plethora of really good uh, uh, bloggers, uh, beat writers, and uh, and national outlets that, that keep tabs on everything. November 8th, also, Gold Glove Award winners are announced. Adam Eaton is on the list in right field. Silver Sluggers come up on the 10th. Um, let's see, November 14th through the 17th, you get the big-time award winners. Uh, the Rookie of the Year is, is Monday, Manager of the Year Tuesday. Cy Young's 
on Wednesday. So we'll see exactly where Chris Sale and Jose Quintana fished, finished in the voting for the Cy Young. And let's see, where else? Oh, December 2nd, kind of the next one. Deadline for teams to tender the arbitration and pre-arbitration contracts for players. So that's a big list for the White Sox. We'll find out exactly uh, what deals are going to be made for Todd Frazier, Brett Laurie, Avi Garcia, Miguel Gonzalez, Dan Jennings, Zach Putnam, Jake Patrishka, and potentially Jose Abreu. Although the Jose Abreu contract issue, not, not that it's a problem for the White Sox to keep him, uh, but it is a complicated, a relatively complicated one, and I can't do it in 30 seconds, so we'll probably talk about it next White Sox Weekly. Those are the big upcoming dates for the White Sox, and of course, we'll keep you posted and up-to-date with everything going on right here on White Sox Weekly, on Twitter, at C1McKnight, and uh, on the website, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. Before we get out of here, you can add some fun, some White Sox fun to your next event. Schedule Southpaw for a birthday party, a wedding, festival, school assembly, block party, or more to have Southpaw visit you. Call 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com slash Southpaw. Thanks to our producer, Justin Basic. I'm Connor McKnight. We will talk to you next week from Arizona for a special Arizona Fall League edition of White Sox Weekly. Have a wonderful Saturday afternoon.